Um, so sometimes I see that a couple gets engaged. And unfortunately, I feel like in society, the instant reaction from all of your friends and family are to attack you with questions over have you guys set a date? Have you picked a location? Like, what are all the details? And so there's a lot of pressure externally on these two people that have just decided, okay, we're going to spend the rest of our lives together. And now everyone and their mother wants to know when and where and what are all the details. Today, we're helping you plan your special day, stick to your budget, and make it a lot less stressful. Welcome to Couple Money, a podcast focused on helping spouses get on the same page, dump their debt faster, and get on the path to financial freedom together. I'm your host, El Martinez. This podcast is brought to you by Coastal Credit Union. Coastal's mission is to help you live a better life by offering you a better way to bank. Learn how by visiting bankbetter.org. Even though it's been 13 years, I remember being stressed at times when planning our wedding. Just like we heard at the top of the show, as soon as you announce your engagement, it can feel like you're being swarmed with questions about the big day. But as much as your loved ones mean well, and they most of the time really do, it can be easy to forget how personal this is. For some, planning the wedding is something they've been thinking and dreaming about for years, while others are looking for a more laid back and casual affair. Weddings are special because it's a celebration and a promise that you make to each other in front of some of your loved ones. And there's also a lot of moving parts logistically when you're doing a wedding, depending on the size, which can get overwhelming and stressful. So the two of you need to sit down and start talking about which things you'd like to have and which things are must-haves. You may also have to discuss family members who want to help out. You have venues, vendors, and maybe some out-of-town guests to make arrangements for. Oh, and of course, paying for it all. Yeah, there's a lot of things going on here. So I'm really glad and happy that Megan Gilligan is on the podcast today. She's the owner and lead consultant for a Southern Soiree wedding and event planning. So she has plenty of insider tips to help you two have a fantastic wedding. In this episode, we're going to discuss how to plan for a memorable and meaningful wedding day, working together on saving and planning for your wedding, and then choosing where to splurge with the special touches and where you can save. Let's get started. You've had plenty of experiences working with couples, different situations. I think while every couple is different, we can probably agree like every couple wants this to be a memorable and meaningful day, right? With their wedding. And it's, it's hard because I think sometimes for couples, this is the first time they're talking about their dreams. And then with weddings, you kind of have both sides. You have what they, they want. And then the reality is, of course, you have a budget and you have a schedule. And as a wedding planner, I'd love to get your take on this. When couples are trying to plan this special day, where do you think they should start? I mean, should they immediately go to a wedding planner and hunt for a wedding planner? Or are there certain things they should work out before they see an expert like you? 
Yeah, that's a great question. So not all couples are going to hire a planner. And I Mm -hmm. think that is okay. I think at a base, uh, you should definitely be looking to hire a month of coordinator and event management coordinator that can execute, you know, your vision for the day so that you and your friends and family are not having to work on your wedding day. Um, But I actually think that the decision to hire a planner should come after a sit down with just the couple where they talk about what's most important to each of them and what the vision looks like for the day. So this is something that sometimes I see missed when clients get to me and we start talking and I I ask a question to every couple that comes into my office. I say, when you think of this day, of course, you guys are so excited that you're going to be married and you're going to be, you know, partners in life moving forward. But outside of that, this is a huge investment that you're spending on one day. What is what is important to you? What's the most mm-hmm. important thing? And then what is actually maybe the least important thing? And I I, I give a disclaimer that it's okay to have different answers. You don't have to come in and both of you are like, yes, we want a great band or, you know, we really want to focus on the flowers. I think it's good to talk about um, listing out those two to three things for each person that are most important and then finding a way that that helps you establish what your budget is going to look like and how you're going to allocate those funds. So for example, when I got married, I knew that the food was really important to me. I wanted to serve my guests really, really great food. And I wanted, when they walked into the room, I wanted them to feel, you know, warm and welcome and it, it to be a really great experience for them. So that kind of went into um, the entertainment that we had as well. And um, my husband, Jason, I mean, I guess he was a typical guy because he was like, it's just, it's just whatever you want. Um, but he wanted nice. really great um, drinks. He wanted a great bar, like Mm -hmm. having great drinks to serve to guests. And then we both identified certain things that maybe were not as important to us. Um, And in, in our case, one of the things that was not super, super important was the paper products. So like the stationery or invitations, programs, things like that. So we knew we wanted it, but it was not going to be a high ticket item for us. Um, so having those conversations, identifying um, those top things, I think will lead to more peace as you mm-hmm. get further into the planning process. And, and if you're involving other family members, you want to start out this relationship on a united front where you guys are on the same page as much as possible. And that may that may include some compromise. Maybe you say, you know, here are my three things, one, two, and three ranked uh, most important to least important. And here are yours. Like, okay, well, let's see if we can definitely put some focus into your number one and number two and my number one and number two, but maybe the three, if, if those aren't the same, like that's something that is middle level of importance for us. Um, so I think that's step one is mm-hmm. establishing those top items. This is great because it really does kind of serve the blueprint because going forward, um, unless you're one of those rare couples where you see like completely eye to eye <laughs> on <laughs> everything you do, you have, you know, of course, like the the shared expenses and, and so forth. But naturally, you know, we each have like personal interests and hobbies. And I think yeah. the wedding day is a I don't want to call like a testing ground, but this is a great opportunity 
to get into a, a rhythm conversation if you haven't already about what matters to me and why and being able to listen to the other person. Because I think, yeah, right. If you if you understand why it's important, usually it's easier to find a compromise or, you know, try to fit that mm-hmm. in. Yeah, exactly. Like if you want a really big wedding and your partner wants a really small wedding or, you know, you always envisioned that you would get married outside, but your partner sweats a lot. And the idea of being out in the heat is the worst thing ever to him. Like these are conversations that are just the beginning of a lot of conversations you're going to have in marriage that, you know, are are give and take. Yes, definitely. And so you've seen couples, they come to you, they've had, you know, some idea of what they want to do. But have you seen any areas where couples kind of in and out, like they haven't ironed out with the wedding that maybe they should before they move forward with planning the wedding? Yes. So sometimes I see that a couple gets engaged. And unfortunately, I feel like in society, the instant reaction from all of your friends and family are to attack you with questions over, have you guys set a date? Have you picked a location? Like, what are all the details? And so there's a lot of pressure externally on these two people that have just decided, okay, we're going to spend the rest of our lives together. And now everyone and their mother wants to know when and where and what are all the details. So I think, you know, it kind of goes back to, you need to look at that other person and say, hey, I'm so excited. We're going to do this together. But let's take a pause. Let's let's kind of drown out some of the noise around us and remember that, you know, this is about us. This is not about your mom. This is not about your sister. This is not about, you know, who you're going to have as your bridesmaid standing next to you. Let's just focus on us and have these conversations over what our vision is and, you know, do we have a number? What's your number that if if we spent x amount, mhm you, it would feel uncomfortable to you. Like what's, what's a number that does feel right to you? And, and let's do some research, you know, in our market, what is an average wedding cost for the average number of guests? So 150 people is kind of your benchmark of, of the average guest count that we see these days. But what does that look like in researching and Googling what a normal couple is spending? And does that fall in line with what we want? And if not, what can we do about it? Do we decide that maybe we want to do something destination and come back and have a party to celebrate when we come back? Or do we say, you know, we really want an amazing band and we really want beautiful flowers and we really want great food, but we cannot afford that for 150 people. So let's pick 50 people. Let's pick our our really like most cared about and loved people. And let's keep it small. We don't have to invite, you know, your dad's coworkers or, you know, my second cousins. Like this is about us. It's not about pleasing other people. And those are the conversations that unfortunately I think are not had enough and they mm-hmm. end up happening in my office. <laughs> yeah. uh, so you're almost like a therapist or yes. referee. <laughs> yeah, basically. I joke that 40% of my job is being a therapist. Well, th- that's that's great to get your take because you see that side that maybe, you know, people don't put out there when they're planning a wedding because I remember, I mean, it's years ago, but when you were saying that I was nodding my head about people asking you about the venue, the food, all these details, and we're like, we just announced our engagement. We're still figuring out there's a lot of pressure. Um, but something I remember from our wedding is we we created a basic budget. Um, 
he was just out of college and I was wrapping up. So our budget was smaller, but then we had family volunteer to contribute for the wedding. And that's kind of like another tangled situation or could be tangled situation. You know, I I mean, you're grateful if they, you know, want to help and that could get you closer to maybe what you envision. But do you have any advice for couples? Maybe they want to establish boundaries to find that balance. If family is like giving us a gift, uh, finances with with the wedding or any tips on making a less stressful or tense situation? Yeah, I have seen this scenario um, more times than I want to admit where there's a power struggle between the couple and other family members that might be contributing financially. And it makes me really sad because I've seen, you know, really, I think, good relationships turn tense and stressful and lead to um, feeling a lot of anxiety about um, every decision that is made, which is not what I would wish upon anyone when it comes to planning a wedding. So um, I think it goes back to step one of the processes before you start talking to parents and Mm -hmm. a mom is saying, okay, well, your dad and I are willing to put in 20,000 or whatever that number is. And the groom's Mm -hmm. parents say, you know, we're willing to put in this amount before any of those conversations are had. That conversation between the two of you is the most important one. And that one involves like, okay, well, let's, let's, let's take a, a second and talk about family dynamics. You know, my mom can, and I'm not speaking specifically about mm-hmm. my mom, but I'm using this as a reference. Yeah. If I were to say to Jason, my husband, when we were planning a wedding, hey, you know, my mom is willing to contribute a certain amount, but let me just put this out there to you that I feel that that's going to come with some strings attached that she's going to want to have a say in these certain areas or her contributing money is going to mean that we have to invite these 40 people that you aren't going to know that are going to mean nothing to you, but we're going to have to suck that up because she's contributing financially. So I think having a united front as a couple and talking through those different scenarios, like, okay, if, if my parents put in this amount? What does this do for the wedding of our dreams that we want to have? And are the potential sacrifices that come with this, you know, financial contribution, is it, is that worth it to us? Um, And then I think you take that conversation that you've had as a couple and when you're ready and it's time, you have those conversations with these family members. And I would recommend that it goes something like this. So I would say something like, you know, mom and dad, Jason and I are really excited about having you all involved in planning the wedding with us. We've identified that to us, we feel comfortable being in this range for the budget on our own. And these are the things that are really important to us, X, Y, and Z. We'd love to know more about you know, how involved you want to be in the planning process and how you see that going? And is there something that would be most important to you? So that you're understanding what you're getting into with involving parents that are financially funding the wedding. And I speak from um, experience with the wedding that I'm doing right now where there's an intense power struggle between the couple 
and Mm -hmm. the bride's parents. And it's gotten to the point where, you know, the parents are calling me, the couple is calling me, there's emails separately. There's, you know, there's, we're just not on the same page at all. And I feel that it's, um, it's a really tough situation to be in on either side because I can honestly see both sides. I see that, Mm -hmm. you know, it's the couple's day. They're getting married. It's about them and the rest of their lives together. But if the parents are the ones that are, you know, funding most of the event, then they do kind of get a say in how that money is spent. I just wish that these conversations might have been had more on the front end than in the middle of the planning as decisions are being made. Yes, because it can be tough. And it's funny how it can snowball like once you start the process. But I love how you presented that um, because I feel like that's a diplomatic way to establish boundaries and also expectations. I think whether, you know, just if it was the bride and groom funding it, you have two different expectations in your minds. And now when you bring anybody else in, there's an, you know, that's another layer of complication and doing it sooner definitely, you know, makes it less stressful. Yeah. And that goes back to, you know, when I said you're getting peppered with questions right after the engagement, something that I see happen um, commonly as well is that you want that date as a couple, you're like, okay, we got it. We got to figure out the date. So let's start looking at locations and you pick a venue And you have a date and then you don't necessarily realize the full scope of all of the other financial pieces that are going to go into it. So, you know, you may have picked a venue that sucks up 60% of your budget. It's your dream, beautiful venue. But now you're going to have to scrimp and save and cut corners with other areas of the wedding that you didn't realize at the time. And, And it can create some resentment for sure. So that is where I would say, if you are considering hiring a planner, I always recommend that you reach out to a planner prior to booking a venue. Because from my, from my yeah. experience, I've worked at all of the different venues here in the Triangle. I know the pros and cons. I know the average cost of the weddings that take place at each of those venues. I know the ones that I would recommend time and time again. And I know the ones that have, you know, created difficult situations for, you know, past couples. And so leaning on the expertise of a planner that knows that would be invaluable in my mind before you sign the contract. Because once you've signed the contract, there's nothing I can do. I know we were, like I mentioned, uh, on a tighter budget when we got married, but we had um, someone to help coordinate and it does make a difference. You know, someone who enjoys negotiating also, like it's for, for us, it was, we already had our hands full and naturally my husband and I just are not great with negotiating. I've gotten better now having my own business. That's like a part of life, but having someone in your corner, you know, take care of that. It's just, it's invaluable. And that's a great point. Before you sign the contract, you know, talk it over. You can usually get a, a, a better deal if, or if it is the same price, maybe get something added in there. Uh, definitely makes a difference. So I know we talked about, you know, the wedding day. This is hopefully one for the ages. You know, it's going to last forever in your memory, but it's a day nonetheless. And you've been on both sides, personally, professionally, do you have any advice for couples that are sitting down to where you you think they should like definitely kind of 
splurge or invest more of their money towards considering, you know, they want to look back on this uh, with their wedding expenses or a, a place where maybe uh, you might not want to put all that money right there. Yes. Yes. So of course, um, some of this is based on personal preference, but mm-hmm. um, there's two areas where I feel super strongly that you should hire a professional and you should not cut corners. Um, one is your photography and the other is actually hiring a videographer. So um, you're going to, you mentioned that this is one day. So it's one day and you wake up the next day and it's over. The The food is gone. The flowers will die. The, the marriage hopefully will last. Yes. Um, but the only thing that you have to reflect back on these memories are the photography and the videography. And, and just about, I, I mean, I don't know the statistic on this, but I assume that it's somewhere in the high 90s that 90 plus percent of people hire a photographer for their wedding. That's one of those must have vendors. Mm-hmm. Um, I would recommend that you do your research and you make sure that you're hiring someone that has experience in weddings because photographing corporate headshots or um, family photos or, you know, just nature is a very different beast than photographing a wedding. A wedding is very fast paced, things move quickly. You do that first kiss once, you're not gonna go back and recreate that moment. So if someone is not comfortable in that environment, then you run the risk of a lot of things being missed on the day of. Um, That would be my experience and recommendations with photography. Now, videography, I, on my podcast, I talk about this probably way, way too much, but (laughs) I think that videography is one of those things that sadly gets cut from the budget. And I would recommend a hundred times over that you invest in a videographer over, you know, I would say get a a DJ instead of a band or cut back on your flowers or cut back on your guest list because I think videography is, is a legacy component Mm -hmm. as well. Um, So nine years married today for my husband and I, and we had a family friend um, capture the moments of our day. Videography wasn't what it what it is now. Um, and I'm, I'll say this, I'm glad that we have it because mm-hmm. we can, we can watch it and our girls love to, you know, see me walk down the aisle and all those things, but it was not a professional. So the sound quality is terrible. Um, during our vows, he hadn't locked the video. So it rolls up towards the top of the church and you just look at the ceiling for a good, you know, 15 <laughs> minutes or so. Um, and I think that I say this to my couples too, I'll, I'll cut this short cause I could go on and on, but the day goes by yeah. so quickly. It's such a blur and um, it's hard to soak in all those moments. And there's there's something to be said about having a great photographer, but there's something even more so to be able to listen to your dad's toast when he gets up and talks about you or hear the vows that you said to each other and, you know, the crack in your voice or um, watch your first dance and and see that, you know, tear that the groom sheds. Um, All of those moments to me, watching them happen um, outside of a photo, I think is is priceless. And um, I've had experiences over my years in the business where, a mom was sick and wasn't able to make it to the wedding and thank goodness, you know, they had the videographer and I mean, there's, there's lots of stories, but yeah, I I could go, I feel, obviously I feel passionate about it, but videography is uh, an area I would say don't, don't cut. 
Um, and then I talked about this a little bit before, but I would say also don't feel that you have to do things just because everyone else is doing them. Mm-hmm. So don't feel like you have to have a bridal party. If, if, if you want to just make it just about the two of you, more power to you. You're not having to spend money on bridesmaids bouquets or groomsmen boutonnieres or gifts for your bridal party. And, and if you have a 10 bridesmaids, I mean, that stuff adds up pretty yes. quickly. Um, and remember that this day is about the two of you. It's not about those five to 10 people that you're planning to have stand up next to you. And you can still have them be a part of the day. Um, and then consider, you know, reducing your guest count when you're, when you're making that guest count and you've got all those lists of names there, ask yourself, is this someone truly that 10 years from now, 15 years from now, I will be glad that I had them at the wedding? And if the answer is no, you maybe cut them from the list because the food and beverage is not the only financial piece that goes into every single guest that you invite. So I, I talk about this when I talk through budget with my couples, but when you think about it, you're like, okay, if we have 150 people, that means we need to have, you know, beverages and food for 150, but you are also ordering invitations for, you know, oh, yeah. that number of guests. You're having to have that many tables, chairs, uh, linens, if that's not included with your venue. Sometimes you have to rent like forks, knives, spoons, glassware, all of that. If you're building an event from the ground up, um, cake, servings, flowers for each of the tables. Um, so there's much more that goes into it than just that one piece. Um, then my last advice is that having a wedding in um, your backyard is not always cheaper than having it at a venue. That's a, a common misconception that, mm-hmm. well, if we don't have to pay the venue fee, you know, we'll just have it in my grandparents, on my grandparents' land. But then you start thinking like, oh, I guess we have to bring in power and I guess we have to bring in restrooms and I guess we have to, you know, have a backup plan for rain and, um, you know, we're having to rent everything. So yeah, that's, that's something to think about too. This segment is brought to you by Coastal Credit Union. If you're looking for better options with banking, please check out Coastal. They have some competitive rates, especially with their savings account, which can definitely come in handy if you're saving up for your wedding or another big milestone. You can find out more at bankbetter.org. Before we wrap up, I want to focus on some key takeaways I got from speaking with Megan. And this applies whether you're planning your wedding, you're newlyweds, or you've been married for a few years. The first one is whenever the two of you are tackling a big goal, plan it and present it as a team. Whether it's your wedding, starting a family, a business, a house, it really helps if the two of you can define what's important, what your priorities are, and why. And this helps out with the second takeaway, which are boundaries are your friends. This might sound counterintuitive, but sometimes having clear lines can make relationships go much smoother. And then finally, get into the habit of saving together. Now, when I was preparing this episode, I was looking at the average cost of a wedding. And right now it's over $33,000. Of course, that doesn't mean that that's your budget. Again, going back to the first point sit down and talk about what your priorities are. But once you decide, okay, this is about the ballpark that we want to save for your wedding or a house or whatever it is, get into that habit of 
every paycheck that comes in, setting something aside. Automated transfers are your friends. The advantage of this is it is paid just like a bill. So if you wait to the end of the month after you take care of your bills and other things, you may find out you don't have enough money left over to save and reach your goals. So go ahead, automate that, and then keep that tucked away in a savings account. There are a lot of options out there where you can actually get some interest. I know our partner Coastal has some great rates. You can always check them out at betterbanking.org. But really what matters to me is that you two have your money work as hard as you do. And so when you get into the habit of saving, that means that you're keeping more and you can allocate it towards the goals that matter most. Now, if you like to chat more about planning your wedding or you just want to swap some stories about your big day, I'd love to hear it. Please join us in our private and free Facebook group, Thriving Families. We're all about supporting one another with our goals and helping each other out. And you can find us over at couplemoney.com slash FB. I hope to see you there. Special thanks to Megan for being a part of the show. If you or a close friend or family member are planning your special day and you're here in the Raleigh area, please reach out to her over at a Southern Soiree wedding and event planning. She's fantastic to talk to a wealth of knowledge. As always, I'll have links in the show notes so you can connect with her and then also the resources that we mentioned during your chat, as well as bonuses like our free five days to 5k course. And since we're talking about the topic of saving for big things, next week, we're going to have some fun. We're bringing back the summer of savings. Look, I know summertime is usually when we slow down, go on vacation or catch shows around town. And we're the same way. But there are ways that you can have some fun and still build up your bank account. Catch all those tips, plus grab a fun money challenge next week. So if you haven't already, make sure you're subscribed. You don't want to miss out on the episode. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, you name it. Wherever you grab your podcasts, we should be there in the directory. And if you want to share the show with your friends, I would be so grateful. I want to make money a way to connect as a couple instead of it being a wedge. Our theme song was by Gentle Regime. Additional music by Lee Rosevere. Finally, and most importantly, I want to say thank you so much for listening. I appreciate your support. I hope you have a wonderful week. Take care.